everybody, my name is Danny Dumas, and this is the Earn Your Title Podcast. Today, you're talking about three lies that I told to myself, and more importantly, we're going to talk about the truth that has set me free. So, what are these lies? Number one, the first lie that I taught myself or talked to myself or believed was that things were better when. And I think a lot of us guys fall into this where we look back on our life and we just have this sense that things were better when I was younger. Things were better when I was single. Things were better when I, you know, fill in the blank and we feel like things are better. I uh, recently had a conversation with a couple of buddies and they were, they were kind of complaining about technology a little bit. And one guy said, yeah, if I could get rid of anything, I'll get rid of these phones. If just, you know, just have a landline. And another guy said, yeah, I'd get rid of the internet. Now, I don't want to argue about technology, but I don't think that's what they actually believe because I know that I love going somewhere and someone calling me like, hey, can you go there? And I don't have to try to get directions from a payphone, write them down or try to remember them and then going. I love punching in an address and just going because I don't know about you, but uh, there are some people in my life that didn't know north, south, east or west. They would, they would tell me, turn left at this street. Well, if you're coming from the north versus the south, left is a different direction. You'd go, you couldn't find it, so you had to drive back to a payphone, get to the payphone, make another phone call. No, 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 it's here. I'm sure it's left. I'm like, well, is it north or south or east or west? They didn't know. I mean, there's all these things that are very beneficial. And what, what I think my buddies were expressing was that they didn't enjoy the current situation they were in because maybe they didn't understand te- technology or maybe they didn't understand how quickly things were moving. They felt like they were being left behind. And I'm not here to argue whether, you know, my generation was better than the current millennials or Gen Alpha or any of these things. I'm not here to argue that. What I'm here to argue and what the truth of the statement truly is, is that things are different today than they were fill in the blank. When I was younger, when I was single, when I was healthier, when I, they're different. You can't necessarily say they were better or worse because ultimately it doesn't matter. The problem my friends had is that they hadn't adapted to the new technology and it was very frustrating for them. But it doesn't matter that they would rather it be like it was in 1998, you know, when we graduated from high school, because that's not going to happen. The truth is we have what we have right now. What we had back then wasn't better. It wasn't worse. It was different. And, and the important part thing is to, the important part is to get in the mindset that we only have what's right now. We can't worry about whether it's better back then. You know, there's there's so many arguments. Who was better? Was Michael Jordan better than LeBron James? It doesn't matter because right now we just have what we have. Those two will never play each other at their competitive ages. Now, I will say the bad boys beat Michael Jordan twice. So I just throw that out there. But it doesn't matter who was, who was better because right now LeBron James is playing and he has a chance to continue to become the best player that ever lived, but we'll never really know. And people that get so hung up on in the past it was better are failing to live today. They're failing to live right at this moment. And that can be very frustrating. I see it. I see it when people, you know, and we'll go back to technology, when it's just they just don't understand why it has to be this way why this works, and they're stuck with, well, it used to work when I was younger when we just used pen and paper. We didn't have these fancy tablets or whatever. Why can't it just be like that? Well, it's not. And you have to have that open mind to say, you know, just because I don't understand it doesn't mean I can't. I have to have an open mind. Technology 
has never been easier to figure out. Now, there's a lot of it. Like, we're constantly bombarded. The whole AI thing is just, I think it's amazing. It's a little scary, but it's its really amazing. Like that tool is going to totally encompass our lives, and I can't get away from it. As much as I would like to have it, things be simpler and to know that when I watch something on the news or on YouTube that it's real, it wasn't auto-generated by some computer trying to manipulate me, I wish that was true, but it's not. So I have to adapt. I have to have an open mind, and I, that's the truth. The truth is you only have what's right now, and right now is different than what it used to be. Maybe it's better, maybe worse. We can argue that all day long. But the truth is that today is different, and if I want to be successful, if I want to keep moving forward in my life, I have to accept what I have right now and then do my best to learn it. If you're an older guy, so I, I'm, I'm a bridge gap between Gen X and millennials. I grew up without technology till I was about 15. When I turned 15, we got the internet. When I got a cell phone when I was 18, 19, and I got a smartphone, 25, 26 years old. So I kind of grew up with this technology shift and I, I guess I, I maybe I, it was a blessing that I, I didn't give, no, no one gave it to me as an adult, but you can figure it out. Literally, guys, I'm, I'm talking to you. If you hate technology and you just it just frustrates you, I want you to realize that there's four and five-year-olds that can pick up an iPad, find the app they want to watch or listen to, touch it, and then interact with it. They've never made technology more friendly ever. Like it literally, if you can't figure something out, you go to YouTube and you say, you can literally talk to it. You can say, show me how to use an iPad. And there'll be 22 tutorials on how to do everything. So we can figure this out. The important thing is that we stop believing the lie that things used to be better. The truth is it's just different. They're just, just different. That's all. That's the only truth. They're different. That's lie number one. Lie number two, this came in when I became a father. My kids are not mine. I do not own them. And I was, uh, I was watching a story of a, uh, a dad whose uh, daughter was getting married, and he was talking about how his future son-in-law came and asked him for permission to marry his daughter, which is a very typical thing. It's, it's something I did. And I think if you're a young man listening to this and you're getting ready to get married, go talk to her father. Ask for permission. But what this guy said I thought was... It, was, it just opened my eyes. He said, I can't give you permission to marry my daughter because she's not mine. I don't own her. She's going to decide whether or not she wants to marry you. But what I can do, he said, I can agree to share the responsibility that God has given to me. And man, it just opened up my eyes because the lie is that you own your kids. And if your kids do something, you're responsible for it. It reflects on you. They, who they are is who you are. And that's not true. You're given your kids for a very short window of time, and you're given the responsibility to take care of some of their basic needs and to provide the opportunities to grow and develop into the, who they're supposed to be. Uh, the best way I've heard it said is that as parents, our responsibility is to set the table. You know, I could go create an amazing meal, five-course meal with desserts and salads and all these things, and I could put it out at the table. I can invite all my family in. And whether my kids eat or not is totally up to them. Because once they've, you know, stopped sitting in a high chair and you're shoving a spoon in their mouth, they can do what they want. My youngest currently would eat pizza rolls every single time we eat. We could have filet mignon with, you know, lobster tail and 
that's what she wants, right? But my goal, my, my, my responsibility, I should say, is to set the table, to have all kinds of different things out there. And that is my responsibility. I don't own my kids, which is, in a way, very relieving because they get to be who they need to, need to be. That's, they're, they're, they're put on this earth. They have a plan. God wants them to do something, and they get to go for it, and it has, I won't say nothing to do with me, but I don't have to figure that out for them. They get to decide who they want to be. You know, I think um, child abuse, maybe that's a harsh word, but child neglect can kind of be two different ways. One way, which is true abuse, abandonment, neglect, is when the parents have no input. That kid is on his own, he's doing his own thing, and life is just coming at him, and he has no support, and that is terrible. As parents, we have to provide support. We have to provide safety. We have to provide basic necessities of food, clothing, shelter. We have to provide these things. That is our calling. That's what we're supposed to do. That's neglect. If you're not currently doing if your kids need glasses and you're not giving them to them and they can't read, shame on you. Go get a second job. Go like take care of their needs. That's on one end. But the other end, and it doesn't seem as obvious because actually many times it's disguised as love or what they say is love, is that that parent is force feeding them everything that they think they need. You know, take this, take this, go play this sport. I play this sport. You're going to play this sport. Do you know, take these dance lessons, do this, do that. And that's not love either. You're projecting what you want for them on their life. And that's not helpful. That is not what it takes to become successful is get forced fed all these things. Now someone can be uh, successful, successful despite that, right? They can become a great basketball player because their dad was a basketball player and they forced their kids to play basketball and they took them to practice and they can become great, but they're not going to become the great that they should have been because they were forced to do it and they're going to have regret. They're going to have anger towards their parents. I I saw it in my life and I'm sure many of you are looking going, yeah, I know that guy. I know that guy whose parents or dad or mom or somebody lived through them. They wanted them to live just like them. They play the same sports, go to the same school, do all these things. Now, I want you to give your kids the opportunity to do all that, set the table, but you cannot force them to eat. You do not own your kids. You do not own their future. You do not own their decisions as young adults. You set the table. You're there to love them, support them, give them as many opportunities to explore in a safe, controlled atmosphere and then they get to go do their thing. And I'm going to I give you a hint. They're going to fail. They are going to fail. And that doesn't mean you failed. It really doesn't mean that they've become unsuccessful. It just means they failed at something and they learned. Um, I meant to look it up before I started, but the, uh, the famous, uh, there was a famous lady. I can't think of what her name is. She um, lied about her kids that got her on the uh, rowing team to get into UC Berkeley Ended up, a big scandal happened. She went to jail for a while. I think, man, what a sad, sad thing to do. She forced her will on this girl that she wanted, she wanted to give everything. And it was out of love. I want you to go to college. You're, you know, you're a superstar. You're mega rich. Give, let her fail. If she didn't do good in high school, let her fail and go to community college and earn her way through and then pay for the university she eventually makes it into. She took away the opportunity to succeed. You know, in my generation, my parents' uh, generation of parenting, they were helicopter parents, right? There's parents that just were always over kind of guiding and directing. 
now they have they have uh, snowplow parents. They just take this plow and push all the things away. They push all the negative. They 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 hide their kids from anything bad. I had friends. They uh, they had a goldfish, and the the goldfish had died three times. And they just keep buying a new goldfish and putting it in the in the little uh, pond because they didn't want their kids to be sad. I'm like, you are missing the point. Let them feel sad. Let them feel grief. Let them learn what that is and learn how to deal with it because it's going to happen. You know, when grandma dies, you can't go get a new grandma and bring her back. And they're like, Oh, their grandma's not dead. No, let them learn. We can't plow through all the problems. And one of the reasons we do that is when we feel like those kids are ours, that I own them, that I don't want anything bad to ever happen to them. And I know you don't, but you need to let them do that. You need to let them make some decisions that you know are probably pretty bad and just, Learn with the consequences. Now, we don't want them to do illegal things or harmful or super dangerous. Maybe mildly dangerous is okay. But we have to let them go live their life because they're going to do it anyways. If you let them do it, you set a good table, they're going to come back and eventually ask you, Dad, Mom, I need your help. I need some guidance. I need direction. And that's when you can guide them and direct them. But if you try to force feed them, there's no way. Try to get a four-year-old that doesn't want to eat to eat something. It's not going to happen. Same thing with a 14-year-old and really a 24-year-old. So second lie is that we own our kids. The truth is that our responsibility is to set a good table and then hope they eat. That's the truth. And the last one, and this one was totally me. Like I, I really struggled with it. And I probably still struggle with this is the lie is that, that I'm responsible for my spouse and my family's happiness. Now that sounds like a good thing. That, um, you know, that I want to make, it comes from a good place. I want to make my family happy. I want to make my wife happy. But the truth is that I am not responsible for their happiness. And they're not responsible for my happiness. The way I see the world is my decision. The way I see adversity and the way that I deal with it, those are my decisions. So what do I mean? As a younger married man, I'd want to make my wife happy. So I had the day off work, and I would I'd clean the house. I would put away the laundry. I'd have a meal, a good meal. You know, I spent hours making. I would, I, in addition, I've paid all the bills, and I've done all these things, right? And I'm going to make my wife happy. This is what's going to happen. You know, she's going to come in. She's going to see the lines of vacuuming on the floor. She's going to notice the water and the toilet bowl is blue because I cleaned it. And she's going to be happy. So this all she comes home, and the first thing she does is complain. The first thing she does is let me know she's in a bad mood. Work was, was no good. Her boss is a jerk. This or that. Now, Amy, if you're listening, I know you're not a jerk. What's uh, my wife's boss? But I'm just saying. Things happened, and she was upset, not happy. And I would be so put out. I'm like, are you serious? I did all these things. I vacuumed. I did the dishes, I did the laundry, I cooked, all these things, and you're not going to be happy. I put all this effort into, and it would really bother me. Like, I just, I was upset about it. And that was, the lie was that I can do all these things, and that would lead to her happiness. And what I had created, and I just learned this word, I read, I just read this book called The uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy. They talk about the covert contract. And this is a pretty powerful uh, idea. The covert contract is that I'm going to do something, and that I have the idea that because I did this, you'll do something. The covert part is you don't know that that's what I think. And man, when I, I read that, I'm like, man, that just it hit me upside the head. Like, yeah, I, I've done that. I've expected my wife or my kids or some, 
you know, name the person that you were trying to make happy that you're going to do something and they're going to do something and they don't know that that's what they're supposed to do. And when, when I say it out loud like that, I'm like, yeah, Danny, that's really dumb. How would you, how would you, how would your wife know that you did all this to make her happy? She wouldn't. And, and the realize, because the truth is I can't control her happiness. The truth was she just had a bad day. She was stressed out. Maybe she didn't sleep good. Maybe she's hungry. All these things could factor in and have nothing to do with the fact that you cleaned the house, you did the dishes, you know, you made the toilet water blue, cleaned it up. Nothing to do with you. She was going to be unhappy just because she had a bad day, and that's okay. Man, that was a eye-opening revelation when I realized that it is not my responsibility. Now, I had to change the way I think about those things because I do want my wife to be happy. I think that's, uh, and I think that's honorable that men want to make a good life for their wife, but I should have been doing it out of love. I want to make my wife's, or my, my wife's life easier. I want to make her, her, her life less stressful. And I'm doing this because I love her, not because I have this contract. Because that's not really love. If, you know, love is an action, it's a giving. It is not a noun. It's not a thing, right? I can't do this and then you do this. That's a contractual. And if you have a contractual relationship with a, a woman, there's a word for that, you know, and just think about that. If you're exchanging things for other things, there's a word for that. And that's not what you want your wife to be, right? You don't want your wife to have a transactional relationship where you do this and then I'll do that, if you get what I'm saying. That is not your responsibility. And and, and in, in turn, it's not their responsibility to make you happy. She didn't need to come home and see that I did, I'll do this and go, you know, I'm going to make you happy. Now, I would prefer my wife to be happy. I would prefer her not to be stressed. I would prefer all these things. But I need to go, you know, I can still be happy. I can still have a good life. And we, me and uh, my wife actually got into a kind of an argument because I, I didn't explain myself. We were, It was a couple years ago. We were on my anniversary. We were in Las Vegas. She said something about, we we're talking about someone had died, and she said, if you were died, would you be happy? Or, or she goes, if I would die, would you be happy? And I said, yeah. Now, I should have paused a little bit longer because uh, I immediately said, yeah. She goes, you would? I'm like, well, I would obviously be devastated, and it would change my life, and I would have, to, you know, it would, I would be sad and all these things, but you don't make me happy, I make me happy. And you being around me is something that makes is enjoyable. But like my happiness, like who I, what I express, the way I see the world, which is kind of the way I determine happiness or, or joy is that I see the world through a positive lens. And even, you know, if all these bad things happen, I can still experience the world in a positive way. That's kind of what I was getting at. And I think the I messed up because I said, yeah, right away. I should have said, man, it's going to be terrible. But eventually, I hope to get over it, and then I will be happy. But the truth is, I'm not responsible for her happiness. She's not responsible for my happiness. It's something that you have to see the world in a certain way despite your circumstances. Because if it's, if it's all about the inputs into your life, you know what's attacking you, what you're bothered with, what you're stressed out about that you don't have control over, you will always be unhappy. And I know guys like that. I know guys that are always unhappy Everything's always bad. Everything's always negative. Whether they just, you know, just came off a two-week vacation, they're exhausted because they spent too much money, or they haven't had a, a vacation in three months and they're exhausted and they still have no more money because, you know, their wife's been spending it all. They're always seeing something negative. Not her responsibility. It's not your responsibility. Those three truths 
and I'm sure there's many more in my life, but those ones stuck out to me this week. Those three truths have really helped me see the world in a better light, in a better way. And that is my goal for you is to see those truths. What in your life is not true, that you're living by this false narrative, change it. You can change. You can see the past and enjoy and realize that it was good. You know, like when I was a single guy, I did a lot of adventurous stuff. I traveled around the world. I mountain climbed. I did some adventures. I had fun. And I got to do that. I, that's still me. Even though I'm a dad and I haven't gone done really anything exciting this year, maybe not even last year, I, I, I've done that though. And I'm in a spot where I'm spending time with my family. My little girl, my six-year-old just wants to cuddle. And it's, that's, that's, that's good. And it's just different than what was before. Things are different. You don't own your kids. You're not responsible for them to turn out perfectly. You're responsible to set a good table. And the people in your life, you're not responsible for their happiness. Be a good person. Be a giving. Be caring. Do all those things out of love, not as this contract, not contractual, not you do this, I'll do this. And if you can live by those, I think you'll uh, you'll live a, live a better life. So if you'd like to live a better life, I've been talking a lot about the Earn Your Title Challenge. These are 14 things that when I do them on a daily basis, my life is better. At the end of the show notes, uh, you can find a link to download the Earn Your Title Challenge. It takes 28 days, and I think it really changed your life. So hopefully you've enjoyed today. Hopefully you've enjoyed that challenge. My name is Danny Dumas, and this is the Earn Your Title Challenge. Excuse me. My name is Danny Dumas, and this is the Earn Your Title Podcast. I will talk to you later. Bye.